Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And once again, you are eternally connected, and we are glad for it. Welcome aboard, everybody. Pastor Eric J. from St. Mark Lutheran Church here in Omaha, Nebraska, who sponsors this wonderful program. As we are now officially in the last month of the year, the beginning of December, and the beginning of the Advent season. Chip, Jason, how's your December so far three days in? Well, it's a bit colder than November started. That's usually how it goes. Yep. That was, uh, <laughs> hopefully that didn't surprise you. <laughs> you know, no, it, it it didn't, but it still doesn't change the fact that it's not any easier. Sure. Well, and uh, we get to really look forward to now we're in Advent. We are. Uh, and uh, usually that means uh, life speeds up. <laughs> and before you know it, it's Christmas and then it's the next year. So, Every year, I try to do my best to take time to just chill a little and focus on what we're supposed to be focused on, which is the coming of our King. Yes. Amen. That's what Advent means. Uh, Coming, arrival, a season of anticipation, uh, preparation, and waiting on the Lord, Uh, kind of putting ourselves back in that time where the Messiah had not yet come. Uh, and kind of reliving the story of salvation by going back and, of course, focusing on the Christmas story, Um, those that were anticipating the Messiah, uh, which, again, we weren't there in the same way they were waiting, but we too also are waiting. And so another theme throughout Advent is uh, the final coming of Christ, his final Advent, his final arrival, um, when he comes to bring us into his kingdom. Uh, fully face to face. And that's a day that we very much look forward to and a day that, uh, quite frankly, he could just come right now. What what a great Christmas present that would be. (laughs) (laughs) Lord, if you're listening. Amen. Uh, Come Lord, uh, quickly, Lord Jesus. Indeed. Uh, Well, we are continuing in our series going through the book of Galatians. We took a little bit of a break last week to talk about what we were thankful for, predominantly justification, Mm -hmm. God justifying us in his eyes, aligning us with him as we were when we were first made, but sin broke that. And hope you enjoyed that throwback episode because we went way back for that. That was one of our early, early episodes before Jason came aboard. Uh, But now we're going to continue plowing through here on our second installment going through the book of Galatians. We got through verse nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is good progress for us. It is. Um, on our, in our first study, uh, on our first episode of Galatians, and we're going to do a little review and then keep going through chapter one. 
and to get our hearts and minds ready for that, Chip, why don't you pray for us? All right. Lord, as we look into Paul's letter to the Galatians, remind us how easy it is for us to become snared by false teaching, especially when we are not daily in your word. Help us, Lord, not to trust in our own flawed understanding, but to always listen to your word revealed to us and to what your word actually says. We join Paul in praying for your will to be done to the, your glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 So a quick recap, we are in the book of Galatians, a handwritten letter, an epistle from the Apostle Paul himself to a number of churches in Galatia, which as we covered uh, two episodes ago was a region, an area, a province, uh, kind of modern day Turkey area. And those were churches that were started by Paul on his missionary journeys. Um, And he is reaching back out to them because word has gotten to him that they are starting to falter, compromise their faith. They're being lied to. They're being attacked uh, by false doctrine, namely that if they are going to be Christians, they have to be circumcised. These lies were coming from Jewish Christians, Jewish converts who, uh, although they were followers of Christ, still wanted to hold on to some of the laws of Moses and make them requirements for salvation were requirements for entering into the church. And Paul, being a former uh, Pharisee himself, being a Jew, uh, a Jewish Christian, a Jewish follower of Jesus, uh, is going to take great issue with that. And he's actually going to recount himself how he used to be that way himself as we continue to work through chapter one. But before we get into verse 10, which is where we're picking up, I want to go back and review, starting in verse 1, just to get the flow of things. Um, remember, we talked about how every letter, except for Galatians, has these five parts, uh, an introduction, a thanksgiving, the body of the letter, an exhortation, and then a conclusion. And how this letter, because Paul is so eager to address this false teaching because of how dangerous it is, he kind of skips that whole thanksgiving part altogether. But here's the introduction. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are here with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So there's that introduction we talked about. Paul, again, asserting his authority as an apostle, which is important. Um, Backdrop to where he's going to go next. Uh, And then he says in verse 6, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So something other than the message of grace, that you're saved by grace alone, they're turning to something else. Not that there is another one, he says in verse 7. There's not another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But who, who is it that's creating the, the havoc for the Galatians that they're referencing? Yeah, these would be some from the Jerusalem church, as we said just a little bit ago, Jewish men, Jewish. Nobody by well, name, though, specifically. No, nobody by name. Nope. Just a, a contingent of of members of the church who are Jewish converts, because that's what there were in the early church, right? Christianity was born out of Judaism. Uh, Jesus was a Jew. 
um, who are retracting back into obedience to the law as a requirement for salvation, not grace alone through faith in what Christ has done for us. You know, there's a a gentleman, uh, I believe he's a pastor uh, down in Texas somewhere that has a a radio show and uh, he wrote a book and the title is Jesus Plus Nothing. And I, mm-hmm. I just love that. Yeah. Because it's that's what these folks that were causing trouble uh, were were not believing in. And they were trying to get other people to say, no, it's Jesus plus fill in the blank. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Paul continues on in verse 8 and says, but even if we, meaning Paul and the brothers that are with him, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you when Paul was on his missionary journey and and delivered the gospel to them to plant these churches, let them be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Then he says in verse 10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now in verse 10 there, that's Paul speaking? Yep. Well, that suggests that some were accusing Paul of delivering this gospel of grace just to just to get the approval of the man, just to be popular, just because, you know, in the Jewish mind, you have to follow all these rules, this heavy burden as Jesus described it. That's probably not good news to a lot of people. It, it, it sounds a lot better, or this is the implied argument against Paul that, oh, you're just telling everybody God's going to save them without cost because that's what they want to hear. And Paul mean without cost? On our part without us having to, quote-unquote, do something or do enough. That's the true message of the gospel. Yeah, That's what Paul was preaching. But he's being accused of saying that just for the sake of popularity and acceptance. In terms of we don't have to do, we don't need to go out and do works. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so Paul's saying, well, look, if <laughs> it's, it's kind of a ridiculous argument because if Paul was doing that to be popular. He hasn't succeeded. <laughs> he's, he's clearly made enemies, right? That's why these guys are coming along and contradicting him. Uh, but Paul's point is I'm, it, it, if I was trying to give a message pleasing to mankind, I wouldn't be serving Christ because clearly the message of the gospel hasn't brought peace. That's the whole reason for this letter. Mm-hmm. And it really is a challenge, I think, to us when he says, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And you can't do both of those things. As Jesus said to his disciples, even before Paul was an apostle, uh, you can't serve both God and money. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve mankind and God. You can't desire your own will and the will of God. You can desire that your will becomes the will of God, but you can't serve both at the same time. And I think that's a, a constant challenge for Christianity, especially in today's culture, right? It's, it's a lot easier for us to please men. That, that would make life easy. For the Christian, and there are sadly many Christians in churches that are folding on what are clear teachings of Scripture for the sake of avoiding conflict. 
But Paul says you can't have that both ways. You're either serving Christ or you're serving man. Serving man can easily be more visually appealing because you can see that gratification. You know, you don't get that. You you don't get to see God. The immediate accolades, the immediate approval, the immediate acceptance. Sure. Yeah. And our reward, as Paul will often say, is in heaven, right? It's it's a full reward, but we don't see it that way yet. And this is why in the book of Proverbs, it says multiple times that there's a way that seems right to man. There's a way that makes sense to all of us. But if that's what we follow, Proverbs says that way ends in death. You can't follow what makes sense to you. You can't follow what you think you understand. You can't certainly follow what you feel. You have to follow the way, the word of Christ. And that's Paul's point. If I were concerned about men, I certainly wouldn't be preaching Christ crucified. Right. This message, and this is where he's going to go next, that even I hated. And that's he's going to recount his testimony to prove his point, that he's not just trying to convince people of something to be right. No, he's actually preaching the truth, a truth that he himself not only rejected and denied, but hated and persecuted. Going on in verse 11, Paul says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, and tried to destroy it. Now remember, that's when Paul was on the way to Damascus to kill Christians after overseeing and approving the uh, martyrdom of Stephen, the stoning of Stephen. And Paul was on his way to continue to persecute and kill Christians when Christ stepped in, revealed himself, blinded him, and told him that he was going to be the messenger of the gospel to the Gentile world. He says in verse 14, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the region of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. So he's kind of just retelling his story of, I'm not making this up, and you you know, there's a lot here you better believe. Yeah, he and his quote unquote testimony, right, isn't really a testimony about him. It's a testimony about what was done to 
and for him. And this would be a story that, believe me, has circulated and everybody would be familiar with, including the very men who are lying about Paul and sowing these seeds of false doctrine amongst the churches in Galatia, saying you have to be circumcised, you have to follow these rules in order to continue to be saved by Jesus. So even his his enemies at this point, or the false teachers, would, would know this story. And why is Paul giving this account? For one reason and one reason only, to show, listen, if I had it my way, <laughs> I wouldn't be preaching this gospel. You know my life. I was a killer of the very message I was, I'm now preaching. So you have to decide either you have to explain that rationally or the message I've given you that salvation comes by grace through faith in Jesus alone is actually a message from the Christ who converted my heart on the road to Damascus. And I think that's a a powerful example of how when we give testimony, because I I still hear this all the time, right? I, it was only a couple months ago that I had a a member in the church come to me and say, can I ask you a question, pastor? (laughs) He said, I was at this Bible study and everyone was going around giving their testimonies and, 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 and they all just seem so wonderful and powerful. And this person said, I don't, I don't even think I have a testimony. I don't remember when I wasn't a Christian. I mean, do I need one? And I said, oh, you have one. You have the testimony of Christ. That's the only testimony that you should be giving anyway. Anything you say about yourself should, should be magnifying him. And yet I think so many times... When Christians talk about testimony, it's mainly focused on us, Mm -hmm. the change in us, how we've become better, instead of saying, as Paul will regularly say, uh, look, look at me. Look Look at how horrible I was. And I'm still a sinner. This is the same Paul in Romans 7 who's going to say, everything that I know is right, that's not what I do. Everything that I don't want to do that's wrong, that's what I keep on doing. Who's going to rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I think there is a healthy way to give testimony. And it, it's like Paul does, reminding people uh, in very real ways, vulnerable ways of who we were before Christ came to us and revealed to us the truth. Um, and of course, that's only going to work if there is a change. <laughs> True. <laughs> right? Uh, you, can't, you can't keep living the same life you lived before Christ revealed himself to you and, and hope to have an effective testimony. Well, you know, last week we celebrated Thanksgiving, and I was just thinking that I don't—I I share the, the lack of, you know, fireworks for any kind of quote-unquote testimony with the—, the person that you talked about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it is fascinating to hear stories of people like Paul who were clearly on a a path of destruction Mm -hmm. and God got a hold of them and turned them around. But I think it's important for us as Christians to understand that regardless of whether you had some spectacular crash and burn— and that's the point in your life that God decided to reveal himself to you. Or you just were growing up in a Christian home and you had parents that were lovingly teaching you the 
from Scripture, regardless of how you're, you were converted, um, there's no scale there. Right. I think we as Americans in particular tend to compare ourselves with one another, even when it comes to how God revealed himself. Sure. And, and yeah. you know, we, we, are, we are assaulted or our pride is assaulted by the, the thought that, well, God did everything, but we want to do something. And even when we start comparing testimonials, th- that's kind of a, that can easily lead to kind of the dangerous game of comparison. Yeah. And that takes, to your point earlier, that takes, that's not where Paul's focus was. He had every right to talk about his amazing resume, and, mm-hmm. and he does to a certain extent, but he only does it insofar as it points to the amazing grace of God through Christ. Yeah, and I think that was not only the struggle for for those Jews that were contending that the Gentiles had to be circumcised and follow other rules in order to become Christians, is that they had that sinful part of us that wants to be God with Adam and Eve, the temptation. We want to have a part in it. We if It can't really be free, right? And that's because nothing here is free for us, I mean, truly, in this sinful, broken world. But thank God he doesn't operate like we do. Right, I mean, this this is the 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 gospel. It's it's amazing how much grace can offend people. It is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? It isn't I? I don't recall exactly, but there is a part of the offense is well, if that's true, then can't we abuse that? Well, yeah, sure, it, you can. But that's the mystery of God's love in the first place. He made Adam and Eve perfect. He made them and gave them life and yet still allowed for them to have the possibility to reject it. Right. And and I was just talking the other day with somebody about this. God's not going to, going to recreate in a different way than he created. Otherwise, he'd be contradictory. He wouldn't be the same yesterday, today, and always. And this is where Christians struggle with things like infant baptism and, and struggling with the fact that faith is not something you choose it chooses you. This is what Paul said, right? In his in his letter, he's saying in verse 15, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, and he's going to repeat this and say the same thing to the Ephesians in chapter one, mm-hmm. the, the God who set us apart before the foundations of the world, you can't read those texts and conclude that we believe in Jesus because we made him our Lord and Savior. No, that's us just wanting to have a part and take credit for something. It makes us uncomfortable when we say uh, it's all Jesus, right? Jesus plus nothing. Yes. Right? And and this is what Jesus says. No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. And this is why we believe that infants can be saved. And then God does, in fact, save them because it's his call on us, no less than with Paul. And the good news is, if you're listening— very few of you, if you're not a believer in Jesus, I, I think more people struggle with guilt than they lead on. Uh, I could never be a follower of Jesus. I've done this. I've done that. You're going to have to try a lot harder to compete with Paul and his resume. Sure. Yes. <laughs> his dark past uh, and, and, and out-sin the grace of God. It's not possible. You can't out God's grace and love. And, and that's the good news of salvation that for those who have ears to hear, who, who are truthful with themselves, will receive that gospel message. And those who still think they have something to offer God are going to be offended 
by that message. And that's, that's, those are the ones sowing false doctrine in the churches in Galatia saying, no, but, but you have to do this. There's no but. It's only God and, and what he has done for everyone. Well, in every way, that's the true freedom uh, that we have, that we don't have to do anything because he already did it. Before the foundation of the world, he called us. And the fact that he called us, the fact that we're a Christian, means that we can rest in that. And why would we want to go back under the, the thumb of the law, and I, that's what Paul's yeah, and that's where Paul is definitely going to be going by the time we get about halfway through chapter two. But I want to make a clarification: just because we don't have to do anything to be saved, doesn't mean we won't do anything once we are. Right. Uh, what do you mean by that? I don't have to do anything because I can't do anything to save myself. It's already done. My sins were paid for before I was born. Jesus is the Lord of of believers and non-believers. He's the Lord, period, right? Right. The gift has been given. I don't have to do anything to receive it. But that doesn't mean once I know the truth that I'm not going to do anything. Once I'm saved, I'm going to do a whole lot more. I mean, you could reject it. Well, you could, right? But then you're not going to you're not going to do anything for the kingdom. You're not going to have good works if you reject it. The works aren't first. The works follow. Right as as it says in Scripture, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that faith is not in me; it's in what Christ has done for me, for you, for the whole world. I know this illustration has been used in Scripture before, but it's it's like the tree. You know, if if we if we can't, this is probably a bad example. If if we can't look at you and see fruit. What evidence that you are a Christian is there? Yeah, right. And that's that's James's point when he's teaching that faith without works is dead. Right, you're a dead tree. What good is a dead tree? No good. Right. Right. What What good is faith without works? It starts to call into question if there is faith, but faith is not a work. Right. Faith produces the works, right. and the faith isn't a thing you accomplish. The faith is something that's revealed to you and given to you as a gift, as Paul says in Ephesians 2. And if I'm not mistaken, the, the good works that we do as a result of this amazing faith that has been granted to us, they're his works anyway. <laughs> well, right. This is what Jesus says in the, in the Beatitudes, right? Uh, let your light shine before men so that people may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So that even when you're shining your light, it's not your light. It's Christ's light, God's light shining through you. And when they see how, quote unquote, good you are, they don't even give you the credit. Because they look at you and they know you and they think, kind of like with Paul, there's no way that this is Saul doing this. And that's right at tw verse 23. They, they only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. In verse 24, and they glorified God because of me. Right, because there's no way Saul did this. There's, there's, there's no way. The only explanation for such a radical transformation is God's work alone. To him be the glory. We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. 
If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.